0: spirit of fear, but of power. I don't know about you, but God has been really speaking through our theme, and I, I just thank the Lord for a wonderful start this year. Our speaker for this evening, and also um, minister through music, is Dr. Gary Haynes. He's an uh, evangelist through the Church of Nazarene, and he also is the public relations and recruiting representative, and also admission advisor. So could you please welcome
1: Dr. Gary Haynes. He's going to also lead us in worship tonight, so let us worship together. Amen. we well, glad to hear. Say amen. If you love the Lord, say amen. If you feel like saying amen, say amen. <laughs> All right. Stand with me, would you? Well, praise His holy name. Amen. you love the Lord? Say amen. amen. You may be seated. Give Him praise. Come on, that's all right. You don't do it enough. Well, I got up here and started singing. The altitude's getting to me. Amen. Uh, somebody, they're dear friends of mine. They've been supporting my ministry for a long time. And uh, they live out in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, it's Gordon and Sharon Smith and they've been supporting me in my ministry for over 15 years. We talk at least three or four times a month. And Sharon sent me this track about three weeks ago and said Gary you have gotta sing this. And I I knew if she took time to get the track and send it to me that uh, just out of respect for her I wanted to listen to it. I played it coming to the college one morning coming down I-25 I couldn't even see the road. I was crying so hard. I don't know who wrote this song. It's put out by Great Revision. It's a singing group. If you go on YouTube, you'll see them. But some songs you get a poem and you put music to it. But whoever wrote this song had to live it. They had to have been there. And after traveling 40 years as an evangelist, and Dr. Mattson, I couldn't help but think about you in all the years of ministry as a pastor, district superintendent, now here. I don't know if you ever ran up against this, but I did as an evangelist. When you're a pastor, Dr. Russell pastored for years, and when you're a pastor, you can see people grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. They get saved and then they grow. But as an evangelist, you're there and then you move on. And the only time you really see people again is when you go back maybe a second or third time and then you see them growing in grace. But not like a pastor would. And there's been times you you pack up and go home and you wonder if you made a difference in anybody's life. And that's what ministry is all about, is making a difference in somebody's life. And years from now, when you look back on your life and the ministry that God has given to you, uh, these words will really be meaningful. I want you, Dr. Matson, to kind of just picture all the people that you've met down through your years of ministry, you and your wife. This song is a little high, it only came in the high and low. The low just don't get it for me. But the high, I'm singing in Sandy Patty's key, amen. <laughs> and I, I really haven't done it. I did it at the retreat up at uh, Colorado Springs, Time retreat, I did it there. So if I mess up tonight, you're going to love me anyway, right? All four of you, thank you so much. Amen. (laughs) That makes up for all the motels, basements, camp meeting rooms. I've been in rooms where I'd get to a camp meeting. First thing I had to do was go to the store and buy a can of Raid. (laughs) <laughs> that was funny but nobody got it I guess you did I want to apologize for those of you that are going to be watching DVD I saw the camera back there uh, second year I was in college here at the Bible college in 1973 or four, 4 I was invited to go to Olathe College Church and uh, do the music there for revival with Dr. Paul Cunningham and uh, that's in the old sanctuary before they built a new one. But they had the biggest pulpit I've ever seen. I walked up behind it and I lost visual contact with everybody. Amen. <laughs> and and the uh, first time. I, I, I was there eight times with Dr. Cunningham. But the last time, well, the first time, we went out to have lunch after Sunday morning service. He said, uh, he dropped me off in the motel. He said, uh, "Gear." I gotta ask you something that's kind of awkward. I said, Paul, just ask. He said, you know, when you stand, a lot of times you go to your right. I said, yeah. Well, they had a camera up there in the balcony and one over here. He said, could you stand to the left? I said, why? He said, because all they're getting is your head on top of the pulpit. (laughs) (laughs) That's True true story. Amen. And, uh, And with my bad leg, I don't walk around that much anymore, so... And those of you watching on DVD, here it is, okay, amen. (laughs) At least I think you can get more than just my head. I read the scriptures and have enjoyed the messages on the text that we've been using. And as much as I like it, I'm not going there tonight. It's there, amen, hallelujah. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Stand just for a moment for respect of God's word. Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offerings. Boy, I hope that'll be one of my legacies. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He cannot be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I like what it says in the King James without faith it's impossible to please God for he that cometh to God must believe it that he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently and that means you're going after it diligently seek him out and may God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word you may be seated I was in a church somewhere I forgot where I was But a little old lady about 80 years old came up to me. She said, Dr. Haynes. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I like the way you preach. I said, well, thank you very much. She said, yeah, you're so simple. (laughs) I said, did you just call me simple? And she said, oh, you know what I mean. But I've always had a philosophy that if I could preach where the kids, can understand me, the grown-ups shouldn't have any excuse. Amen. And Billy Graham was on Larry King one night, and they lambasted him. Uh, some of the c- people that called in oh, in the newspapers after the show was over how uh, he preached such a simple gospel. Well, the gospel is so simple children get it, so profound some grown-ups never do. Amen? So just a simple four-point message on faith tonight. When I drove up here this evening, I, my mind just flashed back to when I pulled on this campus back in 1972. I saw all the cars and the memory just flooded me. And uh, I remember the first two weeks I was here, the first week I was here. I took one. I knew John 3:16. That was it. And I looked at the syllabus and I was like, like this. And I thought, oh my word. My first class was Dr. Norman Oak. My very first class. I just came from the nightclubs. I got out here. My very first class was Doctrine and Holiness. And he's talking about eschatology, soteriology, and all these theseologies. And I'm like this. I had a panic attack. I did. I had a panic attack. I had no clue what he was talking about and I set up an appointment to go see him. I said, Dr. Oak, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to offend you in any way, shape, or form, but I said, sir, see, my class started in September. I didn't get here to January. So they're familiar with all these terms and terminologies, right? And so I said, I came all the way off from Detroit. I said, I can't go back home because the church gave me a love offering and I've already spent it. <laughs> and I said, and I don't know what you're talking about, and I, I didn't come out here to fail, but I don't know what to do. I started, he said, uh, "Brother Haynes, how long you been out of school?" I said, "About 15 years." He said, uh, "Don't take this personal, but your brain's been on a vacation." That's what he said. See, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I said, "You're talking about all these allergies. I can't even pronounce them, man." He said, "Well, your brain's been on vacation." He said, "Now I want you to keep showing up." I said, "But." He said, "Don't butt me." I said, "He said I want you to keep." Show-. I said, "But." He said, "Don't butt me." He said, I want you to keep reading. I said, don't butt me. And we went out for a few minutes. He said, right now, he said, Brother Haynes, you're in a cloud. I said, that's the first thing you said that I can agree with. Amen. He said, if you keep studying, keep learning, we're gonna help you. Keep applying yourself. Keep just keep going forward. You're gonna bust through that crowd to a whole new dimension of learning. And he said, and we're gonna help you. And then he said, Is that all? I said, I guess. He said, You're dismissed. And he was right. Six weeks later, I'll start coming into focus. Amen? And uh, I don't have the words to tell you what this place means to me. Tonight, a four-point message, it's simple. Saving faith. You see a picture of saving faith here. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. We didn't get here by happenstance. I said, we didn't get here by happenstance. God's our creator God. In fact, I don't have time tonight, but if you went to Hebrews 1... I'll just tell you in Hebrews 1 that he's our creator God, he's our sustainer, and he's our personal mediator. It's all right there in chapter 1, okay? And uh, and so we didn't get here through evolution. Evolution makes as much sense to me as a tornado going through a junkyard and throwing a thunderbird together. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) It takes more faith for me to believe in that than it does in my... I'm glad I'm saved by faith. Amen. Faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ. And you see, by faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Now, if you go to Genesis 4, you see a picture here of Abel and Cain. Cain was a worker. He worked the fields. And uh, he brought a beautiful bouquet of fruit. We can only imagine what it was. Very meticulous. Took his time, built this offering to the Lord. Then here comes Abel. He brings this animal before the altar, slits his throat, blood spatters everywhere. You say that'd be a gory sight, but God said Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And I I could spend some time here, but you're going to meet a lot of people, and you already have. They think they're going to get to heaven by good works. They're a nice person. Uh, I try to treat everybody well. I go to church, da-da-da-da. We're saved by faith in the grace of God. Amen. And and that animal that was dying was a type of Christ. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Amen. And so that animal was shedding his life shedding blood and without the without the covering blood there is no remission of sins and so we see for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life uh, I read something just this morning about there's not going to be a sinner in heaven there's not going to be a holy person in hell amen holiness without which no man is going to see the Lord we are saved by grace for by grace unmerited favor are you saved Through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with him. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's only through the blood and our faith in God's grace and mercy that took place there at the atonement that we can be born again into the family of God. And before you get into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's got to get into you. Amen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice, I'll come into him and sup with him, and he with me, and we have fellowship. The human and the divine come together through faith in the promises of God's word. Amen? And so we see a picture here of saving faith. And it's all because of what Abel did with that animal. He, 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 he slayed this, this animal in the blood, covered sin, and it's a type of Christ, okay? Now, we in the Church of Nazarene, I say without apology, We believe not only being born again, but in being filled with the Holy Spirit. We believe in being entirely sanctified. Holiness begun is in when you're saved. Justification, just as though I'd never sinned. And we have holiness that we see that we become a partaker of the divine nature of God through our faith in the promises of God. And my sins are covered. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all wrongdoings. And it's all because of what Jesus did at the cross. Praise his name. But now he didn't call us just to be Christians. He didn't call us just to be believers. He called us to be full-time disciples. Going all the world to make disciples. And I believe after the new birth takes place, uh, it happened with me six weeks, six, eight weeks after I was saved. Uh, It was like what the Apostle Paul went through. The things I want to do, I can't. The things I don't want to do, I do. And there was a war going on down on the inside and the bible says out of an evil heart proceeds lying and cheating and adultery and fornication and if you go to galatians chapter 5 you see the acts of the sinful nature hatred bitterness jealousy fits of rage sexual immorality all those things come from an evil heart but when god the holy spirit comes and cleanses your heart it fills you with the holy spirit and then there's be the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5:23 and 24 and 25 love joy peace long suffering kindness temperance faith but you see you've got to come to the place And even Catholics believe in the original sin nature, inherited depravity. And Dr. Tom Hermes, who I've worked with over the years, who's General Superintendent now in the Christian Alliance Church, he said it best. He said uh, forgiveness deals with the atonement. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But then there's a deeper work of grace that gets to the root of the problem. It's not just sins committed, it's the sin nature that we're born with. And even when I was here years ago, we've had guys that come out and study for the ministry, and they were born again, and they had a a heart that wanted to serve the Lord, but they've yet to die to self. This deals with the will, okay? And it it reminds me this, I just thought of this, it reminds me this guy that came to the altar on Sunday morning, he prayed through, and by Wednesday he backslid. And then the next Sunday, he came and prayed through. And by Wednesday, he backslid. He did this three or four times in a row. And, and finally, this guy came the third time. The pastor said, the only way I'm going to get this guy to heaven is pray him through, then shoot him. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's a better way to live, man. Amen. And then there's a lady at the altar. She said, Lord, get the, get the cobwebs out of my heart. Get the cobwebs out of my heart. Every Sunday, she'd pray that prayer. A Sunday morning, Lord, get the cobwebs out of my heart. Finally, after about a month, the pastor couldn't take it. He saw her coming. She went down to the altar. She said, Lord, get the cobwebs out of my heart. And, and the pastor said, Lord, kill the spider. Kill the spider. Kill the spider. Amen. Now, sins committed need to be forgiven. Can I get an amen? And, and, and you don't have to send a word, thought, and deed every day. I said, You don't have to send a word, thought, and deed. Every day. Holiness doesn't mean I can't send, it means I don't want to. I'm not going there. And temptation, not sin, sins when you yield to it. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't want to go there. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands and they won't be grievous. I will serve thee because I love thee. And then he wants us to be ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us in Second Corinthians chapter 5. That boggles my mind. And so you see, Tom Hermes said, and I believe it, sins committed need to be forgiven. But we've got to get to the root of the problem, Okay. And it's a sin nature, and a second definite work of grace, and some people are taking issue with that today. There is, there is a process after you're sanctified, but you see, now that you're born again, and you've got a new life in Christ, you've got to make another decision. Who's going to run the new life? Who's going to be Lord? Who's going to be Master? Who's going to be in charge? And you've got to die to self. My house, my car, my talents, my gifts, my hopes, my dreams, my plans, my goals, everything I am. All that I hope to be, I consecrate it to the Lordship of Jesus. Where he's not just my Savior, he's Lord of my life. 24-7, I'll go where he wants me to go. I'll do what he wants me to do. I'll be what he wants me to be. It's no longer me that lives, but Christ lives in me. Praise his name. And I've given him permission to come and take complete and total control of my heart and life. And as a result of entire consecration, there's entire sanctification and cleansing, a purging where he cleanses the carnal nature and fills us with the Holy Spirit, and then we live a life that has the fruit of the Spirit, and we're ambassadors for Christ. Amen. So sins, sins committed need to be forgiven, but the sin nature needs to be cleansed. We're not talking about forgiveness. We're talking about the root of the problem, which is cleansing, heart cleansing. We believe in heart holiness. And heart holiness, before there can be holiness of heart in life, there has to be holiness of heart. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in his fullness living in you. And the cleansing stream I see, I see, I plunge, and oh, it cleanseth me. Praise the Lord. And then I can live a life. If we walk in the light, it's he in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And it's also a process. The Holy Spirit's going to reprove, rebuke, correct, convict, educate, legislate, and help me to conform to the very image of Jesus. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but there's purity, which is cleansing. There's maturity, which is growth. There is instant cleansing. There's no such thing as instant growth. There is instant purity. There's no such thing as instant maturity. He's still working on me. Amen. And when I was younger, it was smoking dope and getting drunk and all those things. God delivered me from it. Praise his name. But the longer you're in the church, there's going to be bad attitudes. Resentment, bitterness, jealousy, unforgiveness, and all that that stuff that it talks about in Galatians and Colossians. I'm not going there. I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Amen. And I've got, I got good news for you. We're not saved by grace and sanctified by good works. Our good works is a product of our faith. We're saved by grace and faith in God's mercy, saving faith, and then there's sanctifying faith to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness unto light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that's in me. Praise the Lord. It's by faith. The same faith that you came to the cross and asked Jesus to become your Savior is the same faith that you demonstrate in the cross for him to cleanse you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. And the second definite work of grace. And then if we walk, there's there's your process. If you walk in the light, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Light's also knowledge in the Bible. If you walk in the knowledge as he gives you knowledge and you have a close, intimate relationship with him, then he will lead you and guide you and you can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and be the disciple he wants you to be. Somebody say amen. 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 It's by faith. Martin Luther said faith is the yes of the heart. And again, holiness doesn't mean I can't sin. It means I don't want to. Somebody once said sin before the cross is when we broke God's law. The sin after the cross, is when we break His heart. I don't want to say or do anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you this? I'm having the time of my life being. I enjoy being a Christian. I said I enjoy being a Christian. You can have life and have it more abundantly. That's not just in the accumulations of things and stuff. That's the fullness of the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and directing you and protecting you and he's he, he, he have an intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. And we've got some born I think the most miserable people I see in the church are carnal Christians. They're Christians, they're born again, but they've yet to go into the deeper walk of holiness. I'll tell you it's wonderful. It's called the beauty of holiness. Amen. It's beautiful, man. Amen have the love and the joy and the peace of the Lord and you can and you know what one of the most beautiful benefits about being entirely sanctified again our responsibility is to entirely consecrate his responsibility is to entirely sanctify he can only sanctify what's been consecrated amen but when you make this step of faith and it is by faith Lord take my life and make it in the life you want it to be I want your will and I want your way you can lay your head on the pillow every night And have a peace the world didn't give you, and the world can't take it away. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. He's in charge. I said He's in charge. You don't have a thing to worry about. Somebody say yippee. Where is it? I had it here. Oh, here it is. Okay, I'll just do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say yippee. You can be a happy, joyful Christian. But you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Amen. Saving faith, sanctifying faith, achieving faith. Paul said, I can do almost all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can do what? I wish I could have some time here, but go to the Old Testament. See, I, I, I think about David and Goliath. I think about... Uh, when Moses was leading the people out, uh, I, I also think, you ever see the Andy Griffith show? I think Barney was there. <laughs> I do. Hey, Moses, Moses, I, I know you said we had a cloud by day and a fire by night, but there's a different kind of cloud back there, a different kind of cloud. I just thought I'd tell you, different, 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 you, ever see, you ever see Barney? Different kind of cloud back there, different kind of cloud. <laughs> Moses said, well, you know what, Barney, you're right. He said, "Well, what is it? What is it?" He said, "I think that's Pharaoh. He's changed his mind. He's coming out to us again." Barney said, "What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do?" He said, "We're going forward." He said, "We're going to what?" And my Bible said he put out his staff. The waters parted. They got to the other side. Raised the staff. All the Egyptians were drowned. Did you ever read that story? Huh? It's in, it's in. It's in the book. Somebody called me one night. And they said, "Well." You know the Red Sea only had about three feet of water at the time. I said that's even more amazing to me. They said why? I said God rounded all those people in three feet of water. Amen. Glory to God. My God did that. Okay. Then they marched around the. Wa- I think the funniest story in the Bible is what, what, march around the walls of Jericho. Okay, seven times, right? And, and <laughs> these are soldiers. These are fighting men. They're not a bunch of wimps. They're soldiers, and God gave Joshua some instructions. It's always good to do what God tells you to do. Say Amen. Amen. So He says, "I want everybody to march once every day." Okay, so they're marching. First day, they got sentries. Those walls were so thick they had they had they had chariot races up on on top of those walls. That's how thick the walls were. They had chariot races up there. I can just see the sentries up on the wall looking at these soldiers you got to, you got to get a visual here folks amen he goes home he tells his wife you won't believe what I saw at work today amen so the next day they bring a couple more friends and they they're watching these guys (laughs) what this is the funniest story I've ever seen in the Bible and five six days now they got now they got a bunch of people up there they're having picnics and they're yelling and they're screaming and they're taunting they're mocking they're jeering what's the matter can't you fight oh I forgot to tell you Joshua's March and keep your mouth shut. That's what he said. That's what he said. March and be quiet. That's what he said. Don't you open your mouth. Don't you open your, I don't want to hear a word. I want to hear a peep. Just march and be quiet. That's what he said. After six days of marching and people jeering you and mocking you and making fun of you, I can see some of these soldiers. What's the matter? Can't you fight? They can't talk. What's the matter? You sissy? And then on the seventh day, they marched, and he said, all right, boys, let her loose. And they shouted, and the walls came down. Bah! The walls came down. I said, the walls came down. You know why I think God told him to be quiet? He said, they murmured and complained out there for 40 years, we're not going through this again. Amen. We're not going through this again. And the walls came down. You say, well, it could have been an earthquake. Well, if it was an earthquake, it was one of the most divinely strategic earthquakes you've ever seen in your life. You want to know why? Go to Joshua 2 and 11, right around in there. And Rahab, she helped the spies. Her family was spared. And all the walls came down except for Rahab's house. My God did that. And see, I read all these things in the Old Testament. I said, well, we hear the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So over here. I don't care what you're facing. God gets you through it. I can do all things through Christ. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say trickle. There's a big difference between a trickle and a flow. A trickle is a trickle. Flow, you got power. And Oswald Chambers said, a a river is victoriously persistent. I love that. A river is victoriously persistent. And when there's obstacles, fallen trees, boulders, cars, you ever see, did you see when they had those floods? I've seen rivers pick up a house and move it. A river is victoriously persistent. And once that river gets going, you can't stop it. I wish I could tell people, well, serve the Lord. You won't have any problems. You won't have any trials. I can't tell you that. But I'll tell you what. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And when you have an obstacle, a problem, a trial, he'll help you get around it, over it, through it, or he'll just pick it up and move it. Yes, he will. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, not just to be victorious over sin and temptation we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to get us through the hard times and I didn't get that from an H Orton Wiley theology book I've lived it I said I've lived it you say "Boy, you've had it easy in the church (laughs) I should No, I'm not going there (laughs) yes I am what have you been smoking anyway amen (laughs) oh but when the trials and the problems come that's a passion in the inside, just propels you to get through anything Satan's putting in your way. I can do all things through Christ that's in me, achieving faith. When I look back over these 40 years now and what we've been able to accomplish for the Lord, any person I've ever been able to help, any church I've ever been able to help, anybody I've ever been a blessing to, to God be the glory. All praise and honor goes to Him. Amen. Saving faith, sanctifying faith, achieving faith, and keeping faith. And uh, we don't have a Christ that brings us into the family he says, Good luck, hope you make it, you're on your own now. We've got one that sticketh closer to us and a brother. I need to close with this. He'll be there when you need him. The second year I was here. Well on the way out here I was driving through Kansas and there ain't much to do driving through Kansas except to think. And I was a brand new Christian, eight months old, and I said, Lord, I don't understand all this tithing stewardship stuff. But if I read my Bible right, you want us to tie ten percent? And uh I bet people say, Should I tie ten percent of the gross or should I tie ten percent of the net? you want God to bless your gross or you want him to bless your net? <laughs> I'm not gonna be cheap with God. Amen. He allowed his son to die for me. I'm not gonna be cheap with God. I said, Lord, I, 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 this is all new to me, but I, I'll not just tie 10%, I'll tie 20% of my gross income. And I've kept that vow to this very day. And I got out here, and the first thing I, I said, Lord, I don't have any job. I, don't have, I came out here with 300 bucks in my pocket, car full of belongings, heart full of faith, no apartment, no job, future was one big question mark. But I knew God was leading me here. And I came on blind faith. And I told the Lord, I, I don't have a job, but if I get working, if you'll provide, I'll tie 20%. And uh, I was here three weeks. I went and went singing sang at a little Spanish church here. They gave me 50 bucks. The Lord said, give it back. They need it worse than you do. So I gave it back. Then I went to Indian Heights. They were running 300 at the time. I sang on a Wednesday night. I had a box of records, 25. Those, th- those things were heavy, man. I got up, and there was a missionary talking about people dying in Bangladesh. And I was just sitting there crying. So I got up and I said, If all well, you folks will buy one of my records, I'm gonna give all the money to her. We sold the whole box. Yes, we did. I gave the money to her. She was thrilled. And I had a red Cadillac convertible I paid cash for when I was in the nightclubs. But I didn't have two nickels to rub together. Amen. And I walked in that red Cadillac and I looked up to the Lord and I said, I sure hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> First two offerings I had, I gave back. Prove me, put me to the test. And then the meetings start coming if I needed $100 I got a hundred dollars. that's back in the 70s man I could I had all kinds of stories I could tell you how God provided but in 1974 I was gonna be in Zeno Ohio they had a tornado I was living over here in Eastboro and I saw it on the television and it blew the town to smithereens and I got a call saying Gary I know you make your living doing this but our, we don't even have a church building. And the, the whole town's been decimated. I said, I know it. I, I've seen it on the TV. I'm so sorry. And we had a word of prayer. I said, made a second bedroom my office. And, and after we hung up the phone, I had 30 bucks. No, I, no, I had maybe a little bit more than that, but I said, Lord, I, I had 200 bucks. That's what I had. I said, if I pay my tithe, and it was Easter time, April, and I made an Easter pledge, I said, if I if I do all that uh, and pay my bills, I'm not going to have anything left, and I'm not going to be working for two or three weeks. And the Lord said, uh, aren't you going to pray about it? I said, oh, yeah, okay. I prayed for about 30 seconds. The Lord said, Gary, how can you go out and preach faith if you don't have it yourself, son? Haven't I taken care of you since you've been here? Yes. <laughs> you think I can get you through this? I guess. Yes. Are you going to trust me? Yeah. And and so I paid my tithe, I paid my Easter pledge, I paid all my bills, and I had maybe $10 and change. The milkman had been there, and I went to the grocery store and bought three boxes of shredded wheat. And I ate shredded wheat morning, noon, and night for two weeks. And one of the old saints in my church. Grandma Alice, she took me aside. She said, "Gary, when you get out to college, you're going to have some testing times, and I'm not talking about academics." She said, "I'm talking about life lessons." And she said, "But if you want to see the power of prayer, take something to the Lord. Don't tell anybody else. And then when God answers that prayer, you know it had to be God." And the Lord said, "Why don't you put that to the test? Why don't you, why don't you do what Grandma Alice has suggested to you?" I said, "Okay." And so I paid everything off. I got some cereal. And I'd come to college every day, and at that time we had a cafeteria. Guys were going in there to get something to eat, Coke, coffee, whatever. They'd ask me to go, and I couldn't go. I didn't have any money. And I couldn't tell anybody because I had a secret between me and the Lord. I went the first week. Cereal in the morning, cereal in the evening. On Sunday, Sunday afternoon after church, everybody's going home to roast beef, mashed potatoes, coleslaw. I went home and had a bowl of of wheat. And the devil moved in on me. Right over here in Eastboro. Why don't you go back home to Detroit? You don't have to live like this. You don't have to eat cereal every day. You didn't live like this when you were in the nightclubs. Why don't you just quit and go back home? Why don't you just quit and go back home? Nobody cares about you. Nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody. I had a secret. And God's my witness. I sit there eating that cereal on that Sunday afternoon. I was so lonely and depressed and discouraged. Felt like nobody cared. And tears started coming down my cheeks. And I told the devil, I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm staying. Just me and him. I'm staying. I'm not going back home. If I could have seen him, I'd have thrown the bowl of cereal at him. I would have. I'm staying. I said it out loud. I'm not going back home. I'm staying. So get out of here. And the next morning, I came to school, and then I came home. I said, Lord, i got three bills, $10 each. And he said, you'd meet all my needs. I've been faithful in my stewardship. By the way, you better start tithing if you're not tithing. You can't go in the ministry and not tithe. You understand me? You can't go in the ministry and not tithe. How in the world do you expect God to bless your ministry if you're stealing from them? Aren't you glad I'm speaking to you tonight? Amen. Can't be in the ministry and not tithe. I told the Lord, I've been faithful to you. Nobody knows but me and you. You said you supply all needs. I need 30 bucks, and I'm not going to borrow it. I wasn't being disrespectful. I so said, come to the throne of grace boldly. I'm not going to borrow it. I'll starve first. I want to see you send me this 30 bucks. That's what I'm asking for. I prayed that Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday morning, after I got home from school, Hebrews 11:6. be content with such as you have. Your shred of wheat. Hebrews thirteen five. Because I will never leave you or forsake you. And God the Holy Spirit came on me and touched me from the crown of my head to the balls of my feet, and he flooded me. And I knew I just had a visitation of the Holy Spirit. I prayed through, and the thirty bucks is on its way. Amen. I couldn't wait to get to school the next day. Because I knew somebody was going to come up and give me thirty bucks. I, I, that's right. Ain't no use expecting. I, I mean, if you're gonna pray, expect. And it was over in one of these classrooms. The bell rang, seven thirty in the morning. I'm out there in the hallway. <laughs> Hi, because I'm waiting for my money, man. Amen. Hi, hello, hello. The bell rang. We met, and Nobody came up and give me anything. Second class period. I'm out in the hallway. Hello. How you doing? Good. Hi. Nothing. We went to chapel down at first church. Said, oh somebody's gonna get blessed in chapel, that's what's gonna happen. And so we, after chapel I'm standing in the park a lot. Hello. Oh nobody came up and give me a thing. Two more class periods, same thing. The bell rang. I went to my car. I started bawling like a baby. I've been going through it for two weeks. And I said, Lord, how can I even go in the ministry? I, I don't even know how to pray. I, you visited me last night. I know you visited me. I, I was so sure you are going to send me the money. I need this $30. So, I was crying so hard. I took about six excedrins I'm not exaggerating. and and, and then I got over here to Eastboro, there was a knock on my door 1.30 in the afternoon. I was crying so hard I didn't even want to go to the door. But I looked through the the screen and Wes Harris who's now in Sanford, Florida. I hadn't seen Wes in two months. I saw Wes open the door I said, what are you doing? He said, "Haines, if you let me in, I'll tell you. He had three bags of groceries. And the bags were so full, the groceries were falling on, 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 on the porch. I said, what are you doing? He said, if you let me in, I'll tell you, these things are heavy. So I let him in. He walked right in the kitchen. He put the groceries down on the counter. And he said, Gary, the last thing I'd ever want to do is embarrass you. But the other night, my wife and I were praying. And God laid you in our heart. We hadn't seen each other in two or three months. He said, God laid you in our heart. We start praying. And we prayed for about a half hour. And then afterwards, we decided that God told us to do something. He said, we didn't get you these groceries. The Lord used us. He got them. And would you please do us a favor? I said, what's that? He said, Would you accept these groceries? In Jesus' name. And I hadn't told anybody. I said, Wes, look in the cupboard. And it was one box. I said, Pick it up. He shook it, it was empty. I had I didn't have enough for a half a bowl of cereal. And I said, Wes, I've been eating cereal for two weeks. That's all I've got to my name. But I can't thank you enough for obeying the Holy Spirit. Thank you, man. He said, praise God. And we hugged and bawled and scalded and got blessed. And he took off and I waved at him. Then I looked up to the Lord and I said, don't get mad at me. Thank you for the groceries. I still need my 30 bucks. (laughs) That afternoon at 3 o'clock in the morning, or 3 o'clock that afternoon, Dr. Dwight Neuenschwander, was one of my professors in academic, he was a registrar or something back at that time, he ended up being a DS of Nebraska. But Dr. Neuenschwander called me he said, Gary, I said, yes. He said, Dwight Neuenschwander, I said, yes sir. He said, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, nothing really. He said, my wife and I are doing a little revival here east of town. Small old church. We've been there since Tuesday. This is Thursday. He said, we were thinking, would you join us tonight? Come lead the music and I'll preach. They never get anybody to go out there. It might have been Kiowa, John. I'm not sure. I said, sure. Then Dr. Neuenswander said, well, Gary, they can't pay anything. The church is too small. I said, you know better than that. Just come get me. We drove so far out in the country, I, I, I don't even know how the Lord found that place. Amen. It's 725. Nobody was there. It was a Nazarene church. <laughs> That's funny. Nobody got it. Amen. When people showed up, there was about 30 people and about 10 of them were kids. I sang, he preached. An old farmer in bib Overalls got saved six-foot-five ruddy complexion big calloused hands and they've been praying for that guy for 10 years and he hit the altar and got gloriously saved and that place came unglued and they were celebratory and while all this was going on I'm packing up my music and somebody tapped me on the shoulder he said, Mr. Haynes," I said yes sir he said brother Neuenschwander said you go to the Bible college is that right I said yes sir He said, uh, well, as you can see, we're not a big church here, but I'm the treasurer of the church board. And I've been asked by the church to give you this as a small token of our appreciation. Thank you for taking time to come up here tonight. And he handed me an envelope. And when he handed me the envelope, the Spirit of God came on me. My hands start shaking. I said, Sir, I don't mean to be impolite. But I've been going through a trial for two weeks. And I think this might be an answer to prayer. So if you wouldn't be offended, I don't want to wait till I get in the car. I want to open it right now. He said, You go right ahead. He said, It's not much. We thought maybe it'd buy you a couple books at school. I opened that envelope. Anybody cared to guess what was in there? Three brand new, crisp, right off the mill, $10 bills. And I didn't even know that church existed that morning. I got out in the car, and we're driving back home, and I'm just crying. I mean, it was a trial, boy. Reverend Nunschwander said, "What's what's going on?" I told him about the shredded week told him about the two weeks, told him about the groceries that came, and told him about the money I needed. I said, "Brother Nunschwander, you said you were going to pay me anything. You were wrong." Look what they did! And he saw those three ten-dollar bills. He got so blessed, and we sang and yelled and screamed all the way back to Colorado Springs. The next morning, I was in one of the classrooms, and somebody knocked on the door. And they said, uh, "Gary Haynes here." Yeah. Doctor Oliver wants to see you. He was the president. I said, "Now." he said, right now I thought I was being called the principal's office so I walked across the campus and walked into his office there at the building and he stood up we're about 10 feet apart and he said, Gary, I talked to this morning he told me what you've been through the last two weeks he said, why don't you come and talk to me he said, Gary, I would have loaned you the money because I really believe in you. I said, Dr. Oliver, you have no idea what that means to me to think that the president would owe me some money. But I said, there's a lady named Grandma Ellis and she gave me some advice. If you want to see the power prayer, take something to the Lord. Don't tell anybody. And then trust them. I said, that worked. And I told him, I never want to go through anything like this again. Once is too much. But I wouldn't trade this experience for anything else in the world. Dr. Oliver, God is faithful. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder. Those that diligently seek about. That means you're going after it. So don't you dare sit there and don't think I know what you're going through. Been there, done that. And you're going to be tested and tried. But you can't have a testimony without a test. I said, You can't have a testimony without a test. Would you stand? Let me believe in prayer tonight. Let me believe in prayer tonight. Jesus said my house, my father's house should be a house of what? Dealt with four areas. Saving faith, sanctifying faith, achieving faith, keeping faith. And faith comes down to trust. It's just trusting the Lord. Would you bow your heads? How many here tonight say, Gary, there's an issue I need to trust God with? I really need an answer to prayer in this area of my life. Would you raise your hand? If he doesn't help me, I don't have any help. All right, let's, let's cut to the chase. Look up here. Come on down here let's pray. Come on. Without faith, it's impossible it to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe it that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that do and you seek him out. What he did for me, he'll do for you. And if you're here tonight, you know you're saved, but you've yet to consecrate your life, you need to do that. Dr. Madison, would you come and close us with prayer?
0: We have heard your voice. And I pray, God, for each of your people who are here kneeling before you and crying out to you and saying, oh, God, here's the issue. It's an issue that I probably can't even talk to anybody else about. But God, you know all about it. Here it is, Lord. You know, I'm I'm reminded, God, that you're not you're not just listening to John. You're not just listening to Kimberly, and you're not just listening to me. You're listening to the heart cry of every single person who is looking up to you and saying, here I am, God, do you see me? God, do you really know what I'm going through? Yeah, you could bless Gary in 1974. What about me, God? What about me? So God, we just need you to come down and strike fire we need you to come this very moment and and settle down on us in this room and be closer closer to us than the person who kneels beside us closer to us than the person who kneels behind us with their hand on our back closer to us than anybody anywhere around us we need to feel and sense your arms of love wrapped around us drawing us close to you we need to hear you whisper peace be still be still and know that i am god do that god from front to back from left to right all around this building tonight we pray that you would touch lives in a way that as we've heard Gary's story from, from nearly 40 years ago, that 40 years from now there, are, there will be people who are kneeling here this moment who will stand and testify to your powerful touch in their lives on September 19, 2000 well Thank you, Jesus, for coming and touching us tonight as we cry out to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.